0: this morning than normal, so I'm going to have to cope with um, a much tighter space. I'm going to grab my water too before I start here. We're really like tightly run production. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray uh, in preparation for the message this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with uh, with me as I as I uh, unpack your word, as I uh, delve into the scriptures and and do my best to to show folks uh, the gospel in in the word. Lord, I I pray that you would help me to be faithful to that. Help me to over and over again come back to the the truth that we know, um, that that you know your son came and and died to save us from our sins from our sins. That he was risen again, and and that he has ascended into heaven, and that that you know we will join him in eternity um, when uh, when he comes back to join us or to take us back with him. Pray that you would give us uh, give me grace to to look at that truth over and over again, to look at the gospel, to look at the the, the scriptures, um, to to lean not on my own understanding but on the Spirit. And I I pray that the folks who are here would hear from you, that your word would uh, find a uh, fertile soil in their hearts and that they would know you more intimately through here in the gospel preach this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so you can't see it. This is the fullest room we've had in forever. Uh, we are still under 10 people, so please do not call the police. Um, but uh, um, I, so I, when, I, when I stand up to talk, I, I don't want to just stare at the camera because it's weird. Like I always find that weird when I watch a preacher on like a YouTube channel or whatever and they're just staring at the camera and it's uncomfortable. So when I started doing this like streaming, I I put a Batman cutout over here and then Jess sits on this side, the kids sit on this side and it makes it so I have to look around to talk to Batman and to talk to the kids and my Batman cutout is worn out. It was given to me probably 15 years ago, it's been in closets and the trunks of cars and I think it showed up in a few other places. It was in my kid's closet, jammed underneath a pile of stuff, and I think they were sitting on it to watch uh, YouTube videos the day I took it from them to put in here. And so it's all bent and folded, and it doesn't stand upright. And we've had to reinforce the back of it with pencils and duct tape and sticks so that it will just hold upright. And, you know, that works on Sunday. And by the following Sunday, actually usually by Tuesday, um, I come in, and he's bent over again, and he can't stand up straight, and, you know, and so, like, as we were doing worship this morning, I was watching Abby back there very diligently fixing Batman so that he could pay attention to the sermon so I'd have somewhere to look that wasn't directly at the camera, and, and just, you know, little duct tape, and she picked the most colorful tape she could find And she was very, you know, carefully constructing Batman's, you know, like, I don't even know what to call it, his... His structure to keep him standing, um, and, and at the end of the day, like you can do it forever and ever and ever, and he's not going to stand upright in the end because he is a piece of cardboard that is broken. He is not alive. He is a broken, you know, piece of paper that is made out of trees that used to be alive, but at the end of the day, there is nothing alive about Batman. He can't stand up. He can't keep himself upright. He can't anything. Um, it's Michael Ke- Keaton Batman so if he wants to show up like he could probably stand there and not fall over but like that Batman ain't doing anything other than folding and that's that's all there is to it and as we we dive into John 20 um, over Easter we kind of worked our way through John's gospel um, you know the, the um, John's account of good you know Palm Sunday and Good Friday and then Easter Uh, Sunday and now we're going to kind of go beyond that because we've been doing the road to calvary and we've been looking at The the movement from the fall of man to the the cross and now we're going to go past that And today we're going to be looking at this truth that all of us are born Dead in our trespasses and sins like from the moment we take our first breath. We are spiritually Separated from god and we are inclined to sin and rebel and like the resurrection of brings us new life the resurrection is a promise of eternal life and what we're going to see here in this particular passage is christ coming and revealing a whole bunch of truths about the resurrection a whole bunch of truths about the new life that comes in christ and like like we're going to go from you know dead um in our sins to alive in christ um, you know There are folks I've met over the years who, who never encounter Christ but, but get religion, and they go from week to week propping themselves up um, and, and using their religious beliefs and their religious you know, practices and laws and everything to get themselves upright. And inevitably, just like my Batman stand, they're going to fall over dead because they're not alive, like not spiritually anyway. And so we're going to do John chapter 20. Uh, our series so far, I kind of talked about that. Um, The Scarlet Thread, like, if you read the Old Testament and watch this series, I kind of talked about it a lot. Like, um, there's this thread of truth about who Jesus is that runs through the entire Old Testament up until Christ comes. Man, I'm driving people out of the room by the moment. Um, And I haven't even coughed yet. Uh, (laughs) So, this Scarlet Thread, like, the whole Old Testament points to Christ, and, like, by the time Christ showed up, all of the Jewish people first century Jews believed in a physical resurrection that would come at the end of time, that at the end, when um, God reconciled the world or when the Messiah came, there would be a physical resurrection, and they believed in like flesh made new kind of new life and there was a lot of debate about what that would look like in discussion, and like um, we 're going to look at the resurrection itself and what it tells us. Um, and some of the truths that were hidden in the Old Testament like, and that were mysterious before. Um, lastly, there's a weird little thing here um, as background. We're looking at John's Gospel. And um, there's this argument that John's Gospel is one of the most Jewish-focused Gospels. And it is. Like if you read John, John hits all the high notes of the Jewish faith. But like John is obviously writing to Jews who've been influenced heavily by like Greek thinking. And so, like, but it is a super Jewish book. And so there is um, a lot of weird little quirks that comes with that. Um, And we'll talk about some of those directly. But one of those things is chronology. Jewish um, writers are notorious for making their point um, and telling the truth of a situation without necessarily going A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Sometimes they do A, X, L, M, S, T. And, like, they'll... Tell the story in the way that explains what they're trying to explain. And John sometimes, you know, he's not chronological hardly at all. And that plays into what we're going to look at today. It'll make sense when we get there. Just be patient. Um, And you might say, well, wait a minute. Does that mean he's inaccurate? Does that mean he's just telling the story so it fit? No, that's just not how ancient Jews thought about things, right? Like they just didn't think about the world that way. Um, they they didn't think of things as a point A to point B. Like Jewish rabbis, oftentimes, like, they worked in very different ways than we tend to think. And that was the way that their culture was. And it just is what it is. Um, it's not inaccurate. It's Jewish. Um, not sure if that makes sense. And I hope that didn't come out horrible. Um, so we're going to jump into John chapter 20. This is right after the resurrection. Jesus has appeared to the Mary Magdalene. Um, and And so we are... On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders, um, Jesus came and stood amongst them. And I'm going to pause right there. Um, there's a couple of things. This is that first day of the week, meaning it's the day that Jesus was resurrected. And they had gathered, um, a lot of scholars think maybe somewhere that Mary Magdalene like was associated with. Like, uh, they were in a safe place, and they had the doors locked. And they had the doors locked because they were all pretty sure they were going to die. I mean, like, they literally just watched the Jewish leaders collect up Jesus and crucify him. And now they've gathered up. They're hiding in the dark. They're scared. They don't know what they're supposed to do next. They're they're shell-shocked. They're grieving. They're, you know, I mean, if you could imagine a man who you saw raise another man from the dead and walk on water, and suddenly you're watching him be crucified. And, like, you've walked away from your family and your friends and your business and everything else you own to follow this guy. And you've gone in whole hog. Like, you've thrown in all of your chips on this guy. And you're like, this is it. This is it. I've followed him for three years. Something big is here. This guy is from God. And then he's dead. Like, not even just dead, but, like crucified which for jews is super offensive and so they're there and they're hiding for fear of the jewish leaders now this is translated a bunch of different ways um if you're following along in your bible rather than on my screen um sometimes it's for fear of the jews um in this instance the jewish leaders is how it's translated i think this might be the niv um but uh the word there is judeo i think Judeo. i think i'm getting that right um and if you look at how John uses the word, it's usually aimed at um, sort of the political southern area of Israel, um, and it's specifically probably referring to like the guys who crucified Jesus, like the Jewish leaders is probably the best way to render it. But it it's this separation. It wasn't just the Jews. It was this group, this political faction. Um, that tried to pull Christ in, that tried to get him to side with him. A lot of times when you see Jesus arguing with people, these are the guys he's arguing with. And so these Jewish leaders, they're saying, well, these guys are going to find us and they're going to kill us. And so they're locked in. They're afraid. They've heard stories that Jesus was resurrected, but they haven't seen him. They're not necessarily buying it at this point. Um, And here they are. um, And then Jesus came and stood amongst them. Um, Now, the doors are locked and he's there. Like he finds his way into the room without kicking the door and without knocking on the door without anything like he's just in the room with them. Um, this has sometimes been argued um, over the years like like different folks will take it and say, oh, well, Jesus wasn't physically resurrected. He's a ghost. And so you're seeing a spiritual manifestation because he didn't have to use doors. He walked through the wall or something like that. Um, and that is a really I'm going to say not accurate read of this uh, And in fact, actually just a flat out false read. Um, But it is important to understand. John mentions the locked doors because Jesus was in the room with them. He didn't have to use the door. And we're going to talk about why in just a second. Um, So Jesus stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. Now, the peace be with you is like shalom. And and what he means is this isn't just like this is a common greeting. It's like saying hello in the ancient world uh, amongst the Jews. But like that's not what he's saying here. It is what he's saying. But he's also saying, hey, God is at peace with you people like like God is uniquely at peace with you, like in a way that has never been true in human history. Like this is you reconcile before God. Um, These guys, these 10 probably in the room, maybe nine, um, these these 10 guys ran away rather than watch Jesus be arrested or like go like be arrested with him. They, you know, Peter's there and he probably cussed out a little girl saying, I don't know Jesus, you know, rather than acknowledge they even knew him at the trial. Um, they fail horribly and they're probably, I don't know, there are times when my kids screw up big and, you know, it's kind, kind of time to talk to dad and they're afraid that it's, you know, they're afraid of what's going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm guessing that's where these guys are. They're afraid. They're ashamed. And Christ approaches and he says, peace be with you. It's got to be the most comforting thing in the world. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And so, again, to prove he is who he is, he says, look, this is me. You know, he shows them the holes in his hands. He shows them the hole in his side. Um, And that's important. We're going to talk about why in a second. First, we're going to jump to Paul. This is in 1 Corinthians. Paul is talking about the resurrection because there's all this debate in the early church about what the resurrection would look like and if people were resurrected at all. And Paul tells us, um, now watch this. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be ...but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And each kind of seed gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish another. There's also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor and the moon another and the stars another and the stars differ uh, from star and splendor um, and star differ from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown in perishable, sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now watch this. What Paul is saying about the resurrection is we will be raised, but we will not be raised exactly as we are now. Um, We will be raised in a way that is appropriate and suited for life in eternity before God. The perishable self, the cardboard cutout version of what we were designed to be by God, like this imperfect, broken by sin version of us, will be replaced by a glorified version. And what we see in Christ here, and we see several times throughout his appearances to folks, like in the New Testament, um, is a physical body that is different. He's able to walk through, you know, into this locked room because he's different. Um, Does that mean he couldn't have done it before? I imagine he probably could have. He's Jesus, you know. Um, Is that the only point being made here? No. Um, But it is kind of a part of it. When we're resurrected, we will not be the same. We will not be the way we were. We will not obey, like, the physical limitations that we have. We will be different and better. We will be suited to exist in God's presence. And part of what we're seeing in Christ here is that. Will be in glorified bodies is the theological term, but here's the cool thing about the glorified body of Christ. It's made whole, it's made new. Like if I, 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 have a, I, I crushed one of my feet in uh, college, and I, it didn't get treated properly by the doctor, and it, it healed up funny, and it's, it's a little smaller than the other one, and it's really arthritic, and you know it's pretty common for me to have aches and pains. When I am resurrected in eternity, that ain't going to be a concern anymore. that'll be gone, right? Like, all of that stuff, like, I, you know, I know a bunch of people who wear glasses. Glasses won't be a thing anymore. Like, you won't need them because you'll be in a glorified form. Like, you'll be healed. You'll be made right. You'll be made perfect and eternal. You won't break down as you get older. Things will be different. You know, you, you, like a seed. If I planted a seed and I got a seed tree, you know, that would be crazy. You know, but I plant an apple, I get a tree. You know, two very different things. And that tree, in turn, gives apples. Um So what is sown in the body, what is dead, my cardboard cutout self, will be replaced by something that is real. And what we see in Christ, we see a different version of Jesus. Um, We see a glorified, resurrected version. But it's a glorified, resurrected version with the holes in his hands. And probably inferring also in his feet. And like the hole in his side. Right. Like these holes are still there. This brokenness is still there. And here's why. One of the major themes that we find in John's gospel is that Christ's glory happens on the cross. Right. Like that when Christ goes to the cross, the cross is his shame and it is glory. God is glorified by um, the mercy that he shows on us. And Christ's willingness to submit to the Father's will and die for our sins on the cross. Like Christ is glorified by that. And so these are like battle scars almost. But they are his glory and and our salvation. And so when he appears with hands still with holes and the spear hole still in his side. These are indications of his glory. I was watching a, uh, a thing the other day with a. Uh, former Navy SEAL who had been crippled uh, as a result of an injury, and and every time I look at that, um, I look at it and I think, well, this is this is an injury this guy suffered, um, you know, trying to protect us, you know, and and it would be easy to make fun of this injury or to like look down on him or think, oh well, he's less of a man. But at the end of the day, if you look at it like this is a this is a you know this is a, a glory to him almost. Um, his, his courage, and his willingness to sacrifice for us. Christ um, holds in his hands. They're our resurrection. They're our salvation. Um, and so this resurrected body, one more thing here from 1 Corinthians. Um, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The, uh, nope, I already did that. Never mind. Um, so we go back to John. So Christ appears, and he's got holes in his hands. And he's got this, this hole in his side, and he shows it to the disciples. He says, look, it's me. It is me. I am alive again. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and He said, "Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you forgive them, there or if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." This is a rat's nest of a passage. Like there's so much complication in these two lines, um, and we're not going to pull it all apart. Um, I'm going to touch on a couple of things. First off, did they just receive the Holy Spirit? Is this the Holy Spirit giving or did that happen at Pentecost in the book of Acts about 50 days later or yeah, chronology? Um, that's kind of it might have been that it might have been John just talking about that. I, I it's one of the strong arguments that they're the same event. I don't think they are. And here's why. Um, in the beginning, when Adam was brought to life one of the things that we're told is that god made formed adam out of the dust of the earth like made him and then he breathed his breath into adam's nostrils and brought him to life Um, like that was the point where life began for adam adam was brought um from just being dust to alive by the breathing of god's breath into him Um, up until this point the disciples um arguably have been spiritually dead. They have not known the resurrection of Christ. They may have believed in the promise but they have not known the full truth. At this point in time we're seeing this sort of symbolic hey, you're alive. You're resurrected. It's almost like um I hate to use this as an analogy because it's not a perfect analogy, but um like in cartoons where you'd see a character run over by a steamroller and they're all flat and they get out the, the air pump and they pump them up and they come back to life. Um, They are cardboard cutouts of what they're meant to be. They are dead in their trespasses and sin. And Christ breathes life into them. And that life is the Holy Spirit. And ultimately for all of us, all of us are dead in our trespasses and sin until Christ breathes life into us. And he gives us new life. And that new life is sustained by the Spirit, that resurrection that we experience from our sinful selves, and that we will experience from our actual dead bodies in eternity, like it is sustained by the Holy Spirit, like that that breathing in is this. And I'm going to offer an argument as to why this is the case, and it'll be in the next slide here. So just be patient. Um, a lot of commentators will compare this. There's a very common thing to compare it to a line from Ezekiel. Um, this is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy here. This is Ezekiel 37. I'm not putting it on the screen. I'm sorry. It's a late edition. Uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about this and I decided I did. So, um, this is at a point in time when Israel is kind of getting run over by, uh, Babylon and things are sort of looking really bad. And the hand of the Lord was upon me 37. Um, he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and said, behold, they were very or excuse me, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can those bones live? And I answered, Lord God, you know, very smart answer, by the way, (laughs) well, you, you know, if they can, right? Um. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and you will, will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and breathe in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Um, and then if you go on, like it's actually a really cool prophecy. Take the time to read it. Um, on your own, it is powerful. But what we're seeing here is we're seeing God's army resurrecting and his kingdom coming um, as this new era begins. And it begins with Christ breathing life into his disciples and they are now alive and they are now filled with the spirit. Um, We see the ministry of the spirit begin a little later, but like, like this is sort of this reference to the fact that they are alive and they're alive in Christ. This, this, if anyone's sins are forgiven, I don't really want to dig into that because it's going to draw us off my main, like what we're focusing on today. Um, to give a quick explanation, um, I think this is a sign of their authority in the church, right? And then the second half of this is um, ultimately if these are people who are acting on God's behalf, they're going to see repentance or not repentance. It's like um, you know, all authority that we have as believers comes from God. I have no authority of my own. I could stand up here and say, well, you know, like that TV evangelist like a month ago, you know, I command judgment on coronavirus and I command you to be dead. And the date that he said it would disappear completely is gone and it hasn't. (laughs) And like amazingly, he wasn't speaking of God's authority. He was using his own because probably he got a lot of money for doing it. Um, That lack of authority that he has like plays out in the fact that he has no backing up. Had he spoken with God's authority, it would have happened. Um, In this way, people who stand as God's people can speak in his authority, but they're not saying what they want to say. They're saying what God has put in them to say. And ultimately, this is about preaching the gospel. It is, listen, folks, because he's about to say, like, hey, you know, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, he's going to say it in the next section here. Like, folks. If you think your sins are forgiven without Jesus, like you're not reading the scriptures. Like you're lost. If you think your sins are forgiven because you are good enough and you go to church every Sunday or like your heart is good or whatever, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that those of us who are like Christ's people, if we believe and confess, um, we're forgiven. Like we're called to be his people and his people are forgiven. And so like that is where forgiveness comes from. Um, And so when I go out and tell people, hey. Follow Christ, be, like, believe, have faith, and you'll be like, forgiven. You'll be made new. You'll be given new life. That breath of life will be breathed into you, and you'll be resurrected from dry bones or a cardboard cut out of a person, um, and you'll be something better. Like that truth, I give out when I preach the gospel, and I give out forgiveness. Not because I can forgive, because, but because I give out the truth of the gospel. Um, it's like saying a doctor gives life. Well, no, a doctor doesn't give life. A doctor gives medicine. And that medicine heals you. I give Christ. And Christ is the only thing that can heal you. Christ is the only thing that can make you not a cardboard cutout, propping himself up every day, trying to pretend that there's something worthwhile happening. Instead, you become alive. I'm just watching to see if Batman comes to life. We keep going now. Um, This is chapter 20, uh, 24 to 25. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Um, A real quick thing. It is. Often the case that people say, well, Thomas was a doubter and he was of weak faith. And actually, it's probably not the case. If you flash back a long way, um, when Jesus went to raise Lazarus, uh, the disciples sat around and talked about it. And they're like, hey, are we really going to go to Judea? Because there's a pretty good chance we're all going to get murdered in Judea. Like the Judeo, the Jewish leaders, this political group, they hate us. And if we go down there, we are not coming back alive. He is going to like we're going to die. And Jesus is like, well, I'm going. And Thomas stands up and says, all right, well, let's go die with him then. Like he's not a guy who is weak in faith. He trusts Christ, and he's very pragmatic. But also he's in a spot where he's like, well, look, i got to see this. I'm not going to believe it if I don't see it. i got to see it. He is um, in a difficult position where he's crushed, and I don't think he wanted to believe Like it's a hard thing to be in that place to say, oh, well, this is the truth. Um, a week later, his disciples. So this is eight days later. If you read the original um, translation, eight days later, his disciples were in the house again. Now, here's why this is important. Watch this. Eight days later. In Jewish culture, you were born. And then eight days later, the first significant thing happened. You were given your name and you were circumcised. Right? If you don't know what circumcision is, Turn to your mom or dad right now and ask them to explain it to you after the service. Um, but you were circumcised. So if a Jewish writer is writing this to a primarily Jewish audience, that eight days later, which is how John says it, um, would have meant a lot. Because, like, oh, my gosh, these people are born. They're brought to life. They're no longer cardboard cutouts. They're no longer dry bones. They're alive. And then eight days later, something else happens. Um, In this case, like, I think the association of the Holy Spirit showing up, um, and this is where it's at. Like, and actually you get a commissioning in here. Um, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my, uh, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And so Christ shows up and Thomas is put in a position where he gets his evidence. And I suspect Thomas was not all that excited about that. I suspect that for Thomas, this was a terrifying moment where he talked a little too loosely and was too slow to believe. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what we're seeing Christ do here is not a condemnation. It's actually a gift. And some of us get those gifts in our lives. Some of us doubt and God comes through in a mighty way. Um, but that's what he's getting. He's getting a gift. Um, I, all right. um, then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, I told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So now watch this. The disciples are given a huge gift because they're able to see the resurrected Lord. They're able to see this proof of the life to come. They're able to see that death is not the end, that the resurrection is coming, that life is not like like defined by, you know, cradle to the grave. Like there is bigger stuff happening and that in Christ we are made new and new life is breathed into us. And we're given this new form um, spiritually now, physically in eternity. And Christ demonstrates that in this instance and demonstrates it very obviously with Thomas. Right. Look, whole. Right. Like, here it is. I'm proving it. You know, and and he says, but listen, the folks who are going to hear this truth and are going to believe it without seeing it. The ones who are going to believe it without this obvious evidence, they're blessed. Hebrews tells us now faith is confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for they believed in christ before christ was christ they believed in a promise god made this is what we have for us we believe the word that is given to us right we believe and we get new life out of it um, sometimes we're blessed with opportunity to see but that belief is a product of the holy spirit working in us a product of the holy spirit enabling us and bringing our dead dry cardboard cut out selves to life Now, what do we do with this passage? Because there's a lot of narrative, and it's really hard to know how to apply narrative. Here's what I got for you. Now, watch this. Live like this is true. That sounds really simple, but it is not really simple. In no way is it simple. Um, This is as difficult an idea as you're going to come across. Because if this is true, it means this life is not all there is. If this is true, then having the nicest car or the biggest house or the cleanest living room or the best behaved kids or the most money or whatever, like the best 401k plan, like all of that stuff, your political party winning all the time, your will happening, everybody knowing how awesome you are. All of that stuff is trash. If it's true, then living for retirement that's just going to come around the corner is insane. insane. Because this is not all there is. Eternity is where our retirement is. We're called to serve and follow and be God's people until the day that we stand before him. If this is true, um, we should not be afraid of getting sick right now. Does that mean, oh, I should go out and be stupid? No, (laughs) I shouldn't play in traffic either. I shouldn't jump off of cliffs either. I shouldn't play Russian roulette either. Like those are stupid things to do. Don't do that stuff. Um, What it means is if God gives you a task to do, do it. Um, That means if there are people around you struggling to get by, don't be afraid to help them. It means that if your neighbor is running out of supplies, don't think, If I give them half my toilet paper, what am I going to do? It doesn't matter (laughs) because this isn't all there is. Um, One of the ways that the early church grew in the first couple of centuries um, and grew explosively was that during times of significant illness. I'm going to talk about this in the devotion tomorrow, so I'm just going to be really short touching on this. During times of significant illness, Christians went out and took care of sick people. Um, whereas pagans oftentimes would push their family members into the street rather than risk getting a disease like smallpox for example ravaged the roman empire early early in the time of christianity and christians saved thousands upon thousands of lives by providing basic medical care Um, and these were people that were kicked out by their families Uh oh i don't want to get sick get out of my house and like there are ancient accounts of The streets being littered with dying people, like infected with smallpox, probably. um, And Christians would collect them up and heal them. And they would take care of each other. So when a Christian brother got sick, they didn't kick him out into the street. By faith, believing in that resurrection that the disciples got to see, these people cared for each other. Well, what if they got sick? What if they got sick? I'm saying my life, this isn't eternity, this isn't where I belong. What if I don't need it like I I will one day be in heaven. Oh, so we should still have church services and risk getting coronavirus. No, (laughs) don't play in traffic either. Right. Don't be stupid and respect the governing authority and all of this other stuff. But don't be scared. This is not all there is. This is not everything. Um, Use your resources. Use your time. Use your life to be a witness of the gospel, because honestly, You're going to announce the truth to people who will be forgiven. And so understand if you look at someone and say this person is not worthy of hearing the gospel or this person is not worthy of me ministering to them or me giving up a little bit of my, you know, freezer supply or a little bit of my cereal or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Like this person isn't worthy of that. Like we basically put them in a spot. Well, your sins are pretty much your own good luck. It's a dangerous place to be. Does that mean that I have to earn stuff? No, it means i got a job to do. It means I have to be Christ. It means that I bring forgiveness to people because I bring the gospel. Don't be afraid. Don't live like this is all there is. Don't live like, you know, enjoy every moment because that's all you get. Don't live like the bucket list has got to get checked off or else like live as though you will be in eternity with Christ when this is all over. Live as though the treasures you need to store up are an eternity, not in your pantry, or not in your toilet paper closet, or not in your wherever else. Like, this is not all there is. Guys, there are some of us who are still cardboard cutouts. There are some of us who have been brought to life and are acting like cardboard cutouts. You have the Spirit of God in you. Like, go out and bring that Spirit of God to the world. Go out and bring that Spirit of God Folks, don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't hide in the dark. Be the church. Obey the governing authorities. Don't be stupid. Be the body of Christ, folks. That is all I have to say. Um, Hopefully the Spirit spoke with you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. Actually, I just did something that is totally against the rule I haven't done in years. That is all I have to say about that. Um, Go out and do it, guys. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you'd help us to be people who live as though the resurrection is the truth. It's so easy to focus on the cross because the cross is such a dramatic thing that happened for us. It's the forgiveness of our sins. But it, if we focus on the for, on the cross and forget that there is an eternity coming in which we'll live as resurrected like, like people, as, as people who are made new and healed, um, live you know, where we'll live looking back and realizing that our lifetimes are just a blink of the eye. Lord God, help us to live as though that's true. Help us to live as though you called us to be um, your people in this world. As though we know that there'll be a heaven ahead of us. A resurrection ahead of us. Help us to trust in that. In Christ's name, amen.